0: Welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat Weekly podcast. It unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. This week's no exception, except that I'm not looking at you. <laughs> this is weird already. It is weird. I'm looking at you here. <laughs> We're in the same room, but I've set my microphone up facing a wall. <laughs> so I'm not even looking at you. This is weird. I sense your presence. <laughs>
1: Next to me, if else, I'm no longer looking at you. But
0: if I look, if I, if I look at you in talk, I'm not talking into the mic, so yep. it's going to be really weird. What amateur podcasting is this?
1: we've done 244 episodes know, the first 100 episodes we actually didn't look at each other we looked at Sam the bar is <laughs> just there isn't even a bar anymore do you know what I mean uh, we, we thank you for listening to this amateur podcast and we thank you for your support and getting in touch and we love you for the likes the downloads the comments thank you thank <laughs> this you shit will improve <laughs> oh god
0: help us bear with us this week what an episode! Guardians of the Galaxy, a home run in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The trilogy. Others have tried. Iron Man failed. Four
1: failed. Well, yeah, the no second failed. one he did. Yeah, Captain America probably was, was probably the closest. It started off bad, but then did get a lot better when it you know pinnacled, peaked. Sorry, with a had a lot role. of help though. The Captain did America's have a lot with of, a lot
0: yeah. of other additional cast. But you know, Guardians out there on their own.
1: Two for two, definitely.
0: And then Maybe the new one has one. been released in Arctic. Rating's 94% Rotten Tomatoes Yeah but Rotten Tomatoes It's about time you met James Because I hate everything
2: <gasps>
0: Spoilers Spoilers I haven't seen the third one It's been a busy week I've got a kid Two birthday parties This weekend Which I forgot about So My time to go to the cinema Was taken away With bouncy
1: castles Did eat a lot of cake though You said that was a bad thing I would much rather And I I went to the cinema I'd much rather Gone on a bouncy castle <laughs> There you go No uh, it's because of bounce castle. <laughs> Turn that ear this way.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Alright, well we'll get on to the third one in due course. Other than that, how's we be? been in all right? You
1: got yeah. a dog? I have got a dog. I've got Rory the dog, border collie. He's already outsmarted me at least eight times. <laughs> what's the first film? So your dog's a pup. He is a
0: pup. So you know, in terms of dog years, he's under seven. Yep. So what what's the first, I suppose, you you're gonna give him or a PG he might have seen under season? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're doing Under siege next week. The Steven Seagal classic. Does he still want to live with you?
1: He's already moved out. dog's mate. fucking high. Just, no, no, just no, not Under the... seas. He was fine with He was Under siege too. That's where, that's, where, that's where he pissed the bed and left. <laughs> the, the,
0: uh, the dog adoption agency's like, we're taking him back. The,
1: the problem is, when it comes to... Um, when it comes to animal films, I never want to watch any of them because they're all so depressing. It's like, Marley Me is a great film. It's an actual film film. And as someone who's grown up and owned dogs, that you go through that story of, of owning a dog and then being there for the most important time of your life, but then it passes. It's just like, why would I want to watch a film that reminds me that my best friend's going to die? I know. It's just like watching... The worst thing you could see oh, yeah, on the I w- screen. No, but
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't. when I, I said like sit down and watch a film with your dog. I didn't mean like a pet <laughs> you, film. What's this? You're going to die
1: one day, right? Yeah, uh, Godfather. That's I was watch
0: uh, Phantom Menace. <laughs> Just start him off.
1: <laughs> Teach him about Stop. Faith like trade yeah. federations. <laughs> <laughs> That's what border collies do love trade federation, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't scrape him with underseas 2 I've got something for you that happened this week that was okay. really good. <laughs> Go Ramsay mate. He's coming back. Kitchen Nightmares is coming back. And I know that, yeah, but I've got a question for you and our audience. Is the world that we live in now bullying? You know, we're taking to task the Deputy Prime Minister. You can't bully people. You can't say this. Gordon Ramsay made a career out of like throwing raw eggs at people and calling them pricks. What is this going to be like? I don't understand the new world reality TV show world. Is it going to be You tried really hard on this egg. Unfortunately, you've killed 12 people. (laughs) I don't understand how it works. I know.
0: Gordon Ramsay, I I mean, I'm not into cancer culture and all that anyway. But
1: if someone deserved it. Christ, if
0: anyone deserved it, it's Gordon bloody Ramsay, isn't it? Like, some of the shit he's come out with, like, just destroying people on national television, you know, that are aspiring cooks or chefs or whatever it is, and just belittling them and bullying them and just being an arsehole in the kitchen and you think they're fucking scrambling an egg. Who cares?
1: <laughs> Have you the seen bigger them? things in the world? So he's come up twice this week. So one of the big news always oh, coming back and it's the American one. Because if you ever watched the UK one, it was actually it was actually like this is how you make this he would go into in depth and train people and he 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 liked some of the people who went there and he took them to work as cooks in his restaurants. So I was like oh that's really cool. And in the second one it's just like this is shit, it's bland, it's bollocks, throws a plate. It's all about obviously the drama. But he's also been in the, uh, I say the internet news, because he made a grilled cheese the other day. Mate, it was the most bollocks thing I've ever seen. Right, grilled cheese, the cheaper the better, right? If you go to a barbecue and they've got nice, nice expensive cheeses, no, when you go to a barbecue, the cheapest cheese, that's what it is. To be fair, in Asda, the cheapest
0: cheese doesn't even claim to be cheese. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's with the cheeses. it just says individual food slice that's so what you need right so that, that's so that's, that's top tier to, to be mate. cheese
1: <laughs> that's top tier that's what you need he was making he was making this bread you know that hard bread that when he yeah. he breaks open you could tell it's going to hurt your mouth it's like it's a grilled cheese it's basically the food of the masses don't don't upgrade it we were living in a crisis you know it's a fuel crisis it's a poverty crisis where you like the more wrapping you have to take off an individual slice of cheese the better if I have to, to remove three films of cheese that's my sort of cheese it's fucking ridiculous I don't understand when people I want to see I know it got me thinking it's like beans on toast up that fucker bit of
0: Marmite on the toast Oh, you, I'm done bit of Marmite on the toast and a bit of cheese on the top of the beans mate but what kind of cheese
1: <laughs> food real Did, cheese I love it if you ever pick up a slice it says technically food <laughs> anyway Gordon Ramsay's back there you go God, Stan Gordon
0: Ramsay that's yeah. really disheartening to think that he still Exists. still gets to do this shit I'll I tell you what s- it was if I'll tell you what it was I'd have more respect for the man let's say it's a 10 episode run right, right? Right, calm down mate your ear's looking very angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 10 episode run and for the first nine weeks, contestants get eliminated till there's three left at the end, right? The master and, chef, and then the, and, then, and then the third, the, sorry, the last one is all three of them in a steel cage match with Gordon Ramsay <laughs> bare chest, and he comes in with like a trout over his shoulder or like a dead deer like over his back, and he's, you know, and, he, and it's like whoever can survive the Thunderdome becomes
1: a chef. <laughs> Then I'd watch it. Then what, I'd have respect for the man. I think what well, the best way to test his capabilities is to obviously make a series of meals and they go right. You there's four meals you get to pick two. Which one's the poisoned one? <laughs> Let's see how good you are at identifying ingredients. Then you cuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I actually quite like Gordon Ramsay. I love kitchen Nightmares. and a part of me's kind of glad it's back. However, don't think it's going to work in this world. Like many things, that's why they don't make X Factor anymore because it's not fun. We as a society don't. Well, here's what. I th- right, so there's a small. I think we do as a society still enjoy that. I was never an X Factor fan. I don't really care about singing. Laughing or at the little man. Laughing at the little man. I, people think that we've grown. And that's why we don't have those shows as, as much anymore. But I think we do. And I think this this might kickstart that type of thing again. And that worries me. Whilst I like Kitchen Nightmares, I don't like these shows where we just take the piss out of the little man. Or, or the trier. At least they've tried something. You know, someone comes out and they sings badly. And we all as a nation laugh at them. I'd never have the boss to do that. Good for them. They want to do it. They haven't made a career out of it. They're not inconveniencing you. Fuck you. Mm. They're having a song good for them. So I should apply that logic to cooking. You, you can't boil an egg, but at least you tried. I'm not out there boiling eggs, but I can't because it's fun when their dreams are smashed. <laughs> so, so I'm a hypocrite. If you can sing badly, good for you. If you can't boil an egg, Gordon Ramsay's going to come around and fuck your restaurant up. Anyway, there you go. He's coming back. I knew you'd be very happy about
0: that. Or like when they got eliminated, <laughs> they had to leave the they had to leave the canteen restaurant place, but they have to run across a minefield. To their, to yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> so there's an element of danger to it. There's got to be something more than just Gordon Ramsay <laughs> spinning his dummy out because someone's fucking pan-fried a scallop
1: for too <laughs> long. I can't cook I've honest, mate I can't The other day No today I peaked mate Vegan sausage bagel
0: <laughs> I, Do you know what I really hope That's I really right. hope Someone's listening to this podcast With a friend Going Listen to these guys Because like You know I've, I've listened to them And They talk you know, shit They talk shit Listen to this one. Oh, it's on Guardians of the Galaxy And at nine minutes in They're talking about Gordon Ramsay One of them looks to the other And goes
1: What? And he's like, no, soon, the other one goes Get on it at some point Why are they still talking about his ears? <laughs> Yeah, um, guys of the galaxy, Guardians of the galaxy. Guardians Let's of do Galactic.
0: that. <laughs> my week has been Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Under Siege, and and we can't have too much of a good film, <laughs> and that's coming next I'd week. You got a good one, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, though, we're going to talk about that because obviously the third one is out, and Guardians I hold with such high regard. I loved the first and second Guardians of the Galaxy movie when they came out, had very fond memories of. Seeing them in the cinema, a different take on the cinematic
1: Marvel universe. It was a gamble as well, remember? Like, they hit the big ones, Thor, Iron Man. Spider-Man, I know, had the issues. But what I'm saying is, Guardians of the Galaxy, you have to be a comic book fan to know who they were. Took mm. a gamble, you know, took a risk. Big, expensive as well. Set it out in space, not on Earth where everything else was
0: set. And in hindsight, we needed that. We needed that transition at the after phase one to get into Galactic. We needed to go to the cosmic heroes and Guardians of the Galaxy um, just in hindsight is just the perfect entry into that um, and James Gunn at the helm again much more of a fan of Marvel when they open up their director doors to bring in different caliber and different visions into their overarching story because Guardians of the Galaxy I thought was the first Marvel movie or maybe the most outlandish Marvel movie to stand out that was kind of broke the mold into in regards to like origin story. And then they go through these tropes and traits and these like arcs and then they're going to overcome the villain and then it's going to segue into the next one. And then all of a sudden you've got this film, which was nothing like the others, you know, and and, um, yeah, may still have followed the same arcs in the same acts that the, that the movies follow through, but definitely had a,
1: um, a vision and a style and a soundtrack unlike any of the others. It was so different as well that like the characters weren't cardboardy. They were so outlandish in a way that it celebrated them. I was, if you look at the opening of this film, it's not Iron Man being attacked and kidnapped by terrorists. It's not <clears throat> for, you know, fighting a, an ice beast and falling to earth. It's not Captain America, you know, you know it's not about the, the red score. It's a man dancing as a, as a great 80s song. It's, it's, you know, he's dancing along being a bit of a prat. I like that there's no character that ever really takes himself seriously. Everyone's kind of a caricature, dialed up to 11. James Gunn got the best out of these characters. Rocket, over-the-top raccoon with abilities. Drax, the, he can't take anything. He takes everything literally. I am Groot. Let's be honest, Vin Diesel's best work. And he says three words. Mm. Forwards. Forwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that came as a shock,
0: actually, we <laughs> you watching this. I forgot that he changes to We Are Groot at the end of the movie. but. Yeah, and the overarching, particularly the first movie, the overarching theme is losers. They are losers in their own right because neither of none of the characters in this film are excelling in their chosen field, whether that be, you know, as a uh, intergalactic uh, scavenger or thief or bounty hunters, you know, or even, um, you know, the number one in their uh, father's eyes. You know, they are all losers, but they've all lost something. And the whole overarching thing of the movie is them coming together to realize that they're all lost something. But together, they all fit the pieces to make them all whole. So it's a really good film that by the end of it makes sense. And that's, and I know that sounds really weird because all films should make sense. But it's surprising actually in some of the Marvel movies that they just don't. You know, by the time you get to the end of the movie, you're like, oh, that was just play by numbers. Not just Marvel, DC as well, they kind of, uh, you know, can,
1: can have a bit of that. <clears throat> Do you know what really benefited as well. So I remember watching this, and already then we just at Aix did phase one. We had phase two. It really helped that it whilst Thanos is in the first one, and Josh Brolin's his first appearance. He had appeared in them, but it was non-speaking roles. It's the first time we'd actually seen Thanos. But other than that, they they had everything they could play with. There was no, or you, oh, you have to fit in Thor three. You you have to fit in Iron Man four. You didn't have any of that. You could basically tell your own story. Here's Thanos. You know, it's your first look at him. But the story is kind of your own to make. It, it also, like, kind of slow rolled Infinity Stones because I think it was the second Infinity Stone, but fucking no one remembers Thor, you know, two when when it's actually an, an actual well, one.
0: No, you're obviously in the Avengers movie as well. They have the Tesseract, down don't yeah, they?
1: Yeah, but are you supposed to know it's an Infinity Stone at that point? Anyway, it doesn't really matter too much. You were able; it was it was free from the constraints because I my the first Thor movie really irritated me because they had to build up for Avengers. Or oh, you have to see Hawkeye. You have to see this. You have to see Agent Coulson. It had to put in a lot of stuff. So Kenneth Branagh. Always remember Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth yeah. Branagh directed
0: Thor. Famous uh, <laughs> thespian uh, of, of stage and screen and Shakespeare. In Thor. and uh, Thor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Even he stayed the fuck away from Thor, too, though. <laughs> um, so it was able, they were free. I think James Gunn has always done this thing with the underdog. And I'll always go back to the film Slither, where he, where he had Nathan Fillion. Mm. Nathan Fillion as the cop who basically, and I'll never forget it, a McGuffin, he spends the entire film trying to get a grenade and then it doesn't work or he, <laughs> he loses it at the end. And it's so brilliant. He's got this thing for the underdog. So give him a very big budget. It was a risk. It was a very big risk. However, at the time, Disney or Marvel, I can't remember if. That the, the time, yeah. Disney Disney were able to because of the success of the first phase they were able to do this like even if it's a bit of a bomb we'll still be able to survive and thank God they did because Guardians of the Galaxy one of the best origin stories one of the best movies of phase two one of the best Marvel things and is it one of the best trilogies to come out there I mean the first one mate you you and I were talking um shouldn't really have worked it's characters you don't know storyline that you don't know there's nothing to base it on however. The lack of expectations really helped this film flow because no one expected anything. You had a great cast, and what I love about is you got a secondary cast as well, like even like Glenn Close or mm. Peter Stero... and F- Peter oh, the guy, the guy voices Duthmore. Mm. <laughs> He's just like these guys are arseholes. John C. McGinley... don't John C. McGinley, it's John C. Riley, John C. Riley. says it's, it's, it's all right. His name's Starlord. He has this brilliant brilliant relationship with Star-Lord where he first arrested him. Oh, I arrested this guy. He's got a cool, he's got a cool name, like Star-Man, Star-Lord. It's all right, mate. <laughs> it's great banter. <laughs> Even from the introduction, like the characters, when we see them all together and then they're in their lineup and you sit with Peter Quinn played by Chris oh, Pratt. Cool, yeah. He, uh, oh my God, I'm going to do that a lot. I apologize. When he sticks his finger up, he's like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea to did that. They're all dickheads, but they're lovable rogues. They're Indiana Jones in space. They're fun. And I think when you first introduce him and he's stealing from an ancient alien temple, trying to steal this, what turns out to be an Infinity Stone. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's over the top. He's singing along to a song, which my, the funniest thing is when you watch Endgame and you watch it from the perspective of someone who can't hear the music, mm. and you see War Machine, he's looking at him, he looks like a tit. <laughs> Loved it. Think, what a great opening. Only topped by one other film, which we will definitely get on to in a minute, as opening credits. Yes.
0: Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the only thing I'd add to all of that is it has an element also of Star Wars and certainly Han Solo to uh, Quill and and um, oh yeah definitely and and Chris Pratt's performance in it. But I I agree with absolutely everything that you just said. That I think you know what a movie to come out and certain bits that I really love about it as well the Thanos thing when you see Thanos on his like planet.
1: I don't know. I'm going to really upset some right, die-hard if, fans. Let's be honest here. like if you, <laughs> when we first see Thanos, he comes across as a bit of a bitch because Ronan, is... who's not a good bad guy, basically just has like, stolen the stone. There's nothing you could do about it. Apparently, yeah, that's true. But that bit, yeah. that, bit, that, bit <laughs> that bit, when he's on
0: that chair, that like floating asteroid chair, and he's like, "Yeah, you're going to bring me the stone, or if not, you know, blah blah blah." And he, you know, and eventually leads to him like, "I'll do it myself," kind of thing. But you're like, what a "Fucking boring life, yeah. Thanos." Like, <laughs> just like. How are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit here, yeah. wait till you bring me the stone. Like, yeah. you got any hobbies? Do you know what I mean? Like a <laughs> stone off into space. Maybe he does. Maybe he's a deep thinker. Um, the other thing, massive rewatch ability in these films as well. Yes. Now that I know, because I came into this, I say every single time we do a Marvel movie, I didn't read source material. I didn't read the comic books uh, growing up. I have done since and do read comic books now, but I didn't at the time of watching just about all of these. So, going back to it and seeing like a celestial swinging the you know um one of the infinite stones and flattening earths and uh, uh, world sorry and the fact that nowhere which is such a cool planet this very kind of you know it's like blade runner if it was even more of a tip is in a celestial head which again i didn't really you know as a complete novice and a noob to the mcu Didn't obviously realise until the Eternals who they were, what they were, how it works. Yeah, kind of thing. So (coughs) rewatching it now, now that I've seen things like Eternals and Endgame and all these movies, it's like there was loads of deep cuts in there and breadcrumbs that make this interlinked with the MCU, but completely original in its own right as well. So. Let's do Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll start there. We're going to two, and then James is going to give us a special feature report on three, but not giving away any spoilers.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, that's not the plan. going
0: to do deep dives. Not going to do play by play. It's just going to cover both the movies in case you're thinking about rewatching them uh, this week on the build up to Guardians Three, or in case you have rewatched them and you're just tuning into this episode to relive some of the magic of what you recently rewatched. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, or retro
1: uh, retroactively referred to as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, which is awesome. Let's start off there. The music plays such a big part in it. It's not part two. It's not part three. It's volume one, mm. volume two, and volume
0: three. It's a 2014 Marvel movie. It's the 10th in the MCU. It's directed by James Gunn, as we said, who also wrote the screenplay with Nicole Perlman. It features an ensemble cast. Chris Pratt, Zoe uh, Saldana, yep. Zoe Saldana uh, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper um, as the Guardians, along with Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, Karen Gillian, um, John C. Riley, Glenn Close, and Benicio Del Toro. Yeah,
1: there you go. The collector, the collector who has always, the sliver alien <clears throat> always thought he was going to be bigger. You know, did always think he was going to be bigger. Like the the, the role of the collector, I was like, I oh, Gladiator. No, so do I. He was a red Henry, mate. I just I feel like you've wasted Benicio Del Toro. That's that's all. So does Star Wars. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I mean, in this
0: though, like I like the collector's room. That that is that's like Easter egg, like heaven, isn't it? You've got obviously Howard the Duck later on. Can I just say that's a
1: great last credit because it everyone was expecting be. something really good. It was just Howard did yeah. it. Was like, fuck obviously you. obviously
0: much more of a role in the second one uh, where he's out of the prison and then makes a very small, very blink and miss it. He's in um, Endgame as well. Is he comes through one of the portals that opens up? Didn't know holding that. the Tommy gun. There you go.
1: See um, that's film I saw. Oh, that's right, Duck Boobies. <laughs> I remember. That yeah, yeah, that's your the wife made me. Your wife made me watch that. She does that to people. <laughs> troublesome Howard the
0: Duck, the original. <laughs> Tim Robbins, not best performer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, the collector room, the Easter egg room, you know, where you've got the aliens from Sliver. You don't see them, but you see the marks on the glass. Mm. And then you've got, um, obviously, the Arrested Development uh, nods. Uh, the blue, blue man. Yeah, the blue yep. man.
1: Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, is you know, James Gunn, let's be honest, I love James Gunn. And now there is controversies, and we celebrate the work, not the person. You know, there was a big reason why there's such a gap between second and third, but... It, if, when you just come to his movie sets, I like how he layers a story. I like how he tells his story. They're always so, they're profound in their simpleness. Like, and what I really like about him, and you're going to get into it, is that they're not friends. They spend two acts not getting on. They're all there for their different reasons. You know, Drax is there because he wants to kill Gamora, but he wants to, you know, wait until Thanos is there. They've all got these different layers, and he, he makes them work. Sorry, I know I've jumped ahead. I apologize. And,
0: and, and, and you know, I, I, I think he does, I think, James Gunn also does I suppose all the movies take liberties and change narratives. I mean even my very limited knowledge of the MCU was that Drax's family and himself actually were killed by Thanos. Mm. Um and I think Drax is re uh, created by Kronos sure to become the destroyer probably to go after Thanos. Okay. And in this they kind of change it to be Ronan which fits the narrative much more with
1: Lee Pace's character. God, Ronan's a ball anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we
0: we'll to into it. Although Guardians of the Galaxy debuted in the nineteen sixty nine comics, the films take inspiration from the two thousand and eight comics, which was a different lineup. So that was the lineup that we would go on to know with Star Lord, uh, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Groot. Uh, Peter Quill, played by Chris Pratt, leads a group of extraterrestrial cr- criminals as they go on the run after stealing a powerful artifact—one of the Infinity Stones. Stories part origin, part prison break, and overall a sci-fi adventure wrapped up in fun, scrappy, neon tie-dye wrapping paper. And unlike the films before it, Guardians broke the mould of Marvel films. In fact, it was the first non-Avengers Marvel property developed by Walt Disney. At its core, it's about anti-hero scavengers, a rough-around-the-edges ragtag team of misfits paired together to take on the evil Cree Ronan. Let's, do, let's talk about him now. Lee Pace. <clears throat> I love the TV show Pushing Daisies.
1: Did you ever see that? I did see that. I liked that. So Is that where he touched them, And they could come back to life? Or if he touched someone and who then, had already come back to life, they would die indefinitely. And there was a girl that he loved that he couldn't touch, died, and he, he brought, couldn't brought touch. back to life. Then could never touch her. It oh, really didn't it end on a cliffhanger though, and it, and they got cancelled, and it was like one of the biggest. Fuck you! It was
0: the writer's strike issue, wasn't it? With like, oh. a big writer's strike in the two thousands,
1: this was one of the shows that went from it. Yeah, I love I love Lee Pace, and I genuinely think he's a good actor. And the problem with Ronan, he's kind of a dick, like but not in a good way. At no point does he feel threatening, and they try to set him up in a really good way. What on paper looks really good way, he takes on Thanos. You know, he wants to kill the creepy people. He's a genocidal maniac. When you first meet me torture someone, and kills them. So we know that he's, they kind of give him a religious edge because it's like, I don't like you taking over my culture. So you even get kind of like Nazi vibes. Excuse me. So you do get this lot of layering, but the problem is the end product isn't worth the hype and it's a bit meh. It's, he's, mm. his little hammer thing's a bit crap as well. I, I, <laughs> he I looks like he needs a good watch. When you've got to though
0: assemble a, ti- a, a, a team of, Heroes and give them backstory and give them enough screen time so that their characters feel fleshed out and they each go on their individual arcs and the, the oh, end of yeah, the movie is about them coming together as a family. You know, the, 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 the thing that they're all missing, the thing that they've all lost, they all find in themselves as a group. Your villain is going to take a second step. They're not going to put an
1: A-list of villain in no, this film. No, you're not, and that's true. But the thing is as well that there's never any peril you know, he's like, I'm gonna destroy this planet, but we, as always, never think that's gonna happen. Mm. Don't get me wrong; it's still exciting. You know, you sit through Iron Man, you know he's gonna win. You you know that. You, you, there are moments where they, oh no, he's back from the. Oh, is he gonna lose? We know as always, he's not going to lose. When this film is really obvious, Voner never stands a chance of ever getting what they want, and it's not his fault. And you're perfectly right. The, the, the film's villain is secondary to the adventures that these people go on because they start off as enemies they're kind of each other's enemies to start off with you need to grow and I agree with that however I just feel like it's maybe it's a flat performance Vone gives me nothing I remember when uh, Miss Marvel was coming out and what? then they were talking about oh my god Vone is back I was like who gives a shit it's <laughs> like no one cares surely
0: yeah I think um, I think the other thing as well is that Captain Marvel sorry when you look at when you look at, um, when you look at uh, the, the Iron Man trilogy for example you know, Iron Man one. You, you know, you've got obviously Obadiah Stone, who was brilliant. Dyer, yeah, yeah he was who brilliant. has to take a back, his back seat. Yeah, his Iron Man story. It's him what? overcoming it.
1: Does enough in his slightly like, limited time. He's still a good villain. I still think he's and, one and, of the best ones. And
0: it's the classic cinema thing, isn't it? He's is, obviously, your, your Dad's friend, but I'm your worst enemy. Yeah. Like, that's been done today. And
1: they've gone the bigger as well. So like, he's got Lion's Man suit. Iron suit's so bigger. He's, that's you know. Bigger, and this isn't is it?
0: The, this is why I think fundamentally the second Iron Man movie doesn't work. Is because Whiplash is a villain, Ivan. You know, played by um, Mickey Rock. Mickey Rock. You know, he he, he 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 just gets sidelined. Like after the first twenty minutes, he's yeah. sidelined, and then he comes he back, back in the last then, yeah. twenty. And it's and and then it's like, can you imagine Whiplash <laughs> now coming? Like you're in like episode. Uh, sorry, you're in like. 25 in the MCU it's like who's the villain it's Whiplash no it isn't it's not <laughs> it's, it's kind of like some of these films feel retrospectively like, like they're just get rid of some of these villains very early on like, if this was top Trump's card like
1: Whiplash wouldn't have a lot you know? like, <laughs> Russian accent there you go Russian accent and whips I don't, I don't blame Cameron. I don't like the Cree though I don't think their storyline's very secondary also it I'm going to say it now, and the fans are going to disagree. We can Thanos. Your first opportunity to see him. We've been building him up since what? The th- arguably, like the-, the fourth is when you start hearing about Thanos, and you finally see him at the end of Avengers in the post credits. You've been building up for a while. People are talking about him. He's been cast, so you know Thanos is coming. There's a lot of fever pitch. Guardians of the Galaxy. You see Thanos for the first time. Josh Brolin's playing him. Everyone's really. He sits in his chair in the film. Yeah, in the film. In the film, he sits in the chair, and your man goes, "I'm not giving you the stone," and Thanos goes, "Please." <laughs> And Jermaine goes, nah. <laughs> and then the other and is like, shit, I didn't, I didn't think of this. It's like, I've got all of these plans. And when you see him later, and what he becomes is, like, I'll get myself and I'll destroy planets. That's fine. But he's just like, no, I'm not giving it to you. He's like, no. That's very It's very it's
0: very, uh, very skeletor, isn't it? It's like, give
1: it to me. I'm no, gonna, I'm gonna no. sit on this chair
0: and then I'm just gonna be a big holographic head in the certain <laughs> scene. But I mean, I suppose at least Skeletor had the final act of that movie to be
1: badass. Yeah, except for, obviously, the actor didn't play him and going back to 100, episode 100. Yeah, episode 100.
0: But, but, you know, this is easy still. It's still designed to be a kid's movie. You can't have Thanos being like, oh, fuck this, snapping Ronan's neck.
1: Like, um, you know. So I I don't like the villain, but then again, I completely agree with you. The villain, you, look, it's one of my favourite Marvel films. I think it's one of the weakest villains. It proves how good a film this mm. is. You, you cannot get hung up on how you don't, it's not it's bad. It's just you don't give a toss. Every time he's on there, you don't care. There's a really cool bit where he's introduced. He kind of walks out of a bath and the suit kind of like morphs around him. Did think that was cool. Unfortunately, that was it. Also he gets beaten by a dance off. Let's not question it.
0: <laughs> he he has very much a um, yeah that like monologue at the beginning, doesn't he? You know, that, yeah, uh, yeah. How villainous he is and Lee Pace's voice? You know, he's brilliant in this in this film. He looks quite cool as well. Actually, he looks he looks better than Apocalypse.
1: Anything, look, mate. Your ear looks better than Apocalypse. I still I'll I've never. For, good ears. <laughs> I'll never forgive X Men for ruining my favorite villain in Marvel. Oscar Fuck Isaac, you. Fucking Oscar Isaacs. Like... Uh, what do you want me to be? A ball bag. All right. <laughs>
0: I want to look like Thanos' thumb. Done. <laughs> As Marvel widened their director net to bring in different styles of filmmaker, James Gunn brought a new vision to the MCU a blend, dry, deadpan comedy, 80s pop songs, and heroes without a plan or motive but motivated by money loss and violent revenge along the way learning the right thing to do director james gunn cites iron man the 2008 original mcu kickstarter as an influence for the film stating we are st- starting phase two of the cinematic universe this is the marvel cosmic and we're doing exactly what iron man had to do in the first film film very uh i mean I have, i'm not going to go by play by play but
1: yeah, please don't go live. I'm, I'm just
0: going to go very briefly through through the storyline and we'll stop along the way for the key scenes, although we have done a, a lot of them already. But Abducted from Missouri Earth at a young age, uh, in fact, it's 1988, we start with a flashback. We meet the intergalactic Peter Corps 28 years later on on the scavenger hunt as he locates a lost and abandoned orb he's been commissioned to collect. Little does he know that the orb is in fact an Infinity Stone and it's wanted by a whole bunch of people, including Ronan the Accuser, a lower-ranking villain, aiming to please his boss, Thanos. Love the opening scene. In terms of introducing your uh, titular character, I do love it when he puts the Walkman on and he's like dancing, singing along, kicking these like little scrub rat-looking things. Fuses one of those a mic. And then there's the big bit where he's like, do you not know who I am? And the other scavenger's like, who? He's like, I'm Star-Lord. And then they just go, who? (laughs) And it's like, because the audience is doing the same thing. And that (laughs) sets up the comedy for this movie. And it does look pretty cool. you got to remember the mask. Um, you know, that he wears, he's pretty badass. I mean, Chris Pratt went on to say he used to get loads of panic attacks in the first movie because they had to bolt him into it. Ooh. He couldn't take that off. Do you want that to explain something later? Anyway, go on. Um, but I like that beginning, opening to the film. I like the idea as well that this is a, it really is an anti-hero. This is, you know, someone who's robbing something or, or taking something, taking an artifact and then double-crossing the person that sent him on that what? mission. Not
1: only really that, mate, but what he's doing, this is also having intercourse with a lady he doesn't even know still in this I forgot about that it's it's a cad he's a cad mate
0: Um, learning of the potential value of the orb Quill tries to independently sell it going behind the back of his pirate crew of ravagers led by Yondu Michael Rooker in full blue the person who stole him off the
1: back at a young age Whilst My- on the planet is- oh, sorry. oh sorry No I was just saying Michael Rucker is also A great casting choice For this I, you, you look at You look at roles And you think Who could have Pulled this off mm. And Michael Rucker Looks great It's this kind of Like luminous blue So he always You've got blue But then you've got This blue it's, mm. It stands out But it's actually His voice and, and the cut of his teeth Everything about Yondu Just works as a character You know He's a kid stealing prick But you do like him
0: And he's And again Someone's going to murder me For not getting this right But the arrow The whistle it's The cool. whole kind of weaponry that he's got he's is, is pretty awesome Um whilst on the planet Xander Batty Hunters Rocket and Groot are scouting for business and attempt to cease Quill who now has a price on his head placed by Yondu and to make matters worse Phanus' daughter Gamora is also after Quill and following an altercation the group are all imprisoned together on Kiln it's like a sky fortress it's kind of like well, Christopher Lambert was imprisoned in Fortress Two.
1: Yeah, do you know what? Not a week will go by where we do not mention the film Fortress or Fortress Two.
0: I feel like it's a duty.
1: <coughs> I love the Prison Break stuff. I love the Prison Break stuff. You get, you get what's the best about this comedy? Is you, you get Rocky. You get them all talking. And he says, "Right, these are the things we need," and he explains like the last thing we need to do is get that battery because it sets off all the alarms. He tells Quill that he needs a leg. Guys, or like fucking you get, brilliant. you get so many layers of comedy because whilst this is happening, Groot, a sentient tree life being who can only say "I'm Gru," has basically stolen the battery in the background. So in the you get the foreground, you get a story of what they need to do. But in the background, you see how it's all going to balls up, and then you get just chaos mm. and you get bargaining for a leg. It, it, mate, fucking hilarious!
0: Yeah, you get unnecessary shirt off scenes, which I think Chris Pratt has this one. And what was that? The war, the Tomorrow War? Yep, Tomorrow. Where they were literally like. Take shit like, off. he's got to get like an injection in his forearm to like take shirt off. It's just any excuse to gets it. To take your pants off. off. Um, but yeah, so I you know it is always laughable watching it now where you're like you probably don't need the scene where like he's getting gunged. <laughs> like he's on like he's a year nine like BBC contestant. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, like, just, like, I yeah don't you know. Do. <laughs> the Noel Edmonds loves gunging them. <laughs>
0: You remember that "Get Your Own Back" program where you got to gunge your parents,
1: mate? I would to gunge them them. <laughs> um, I was like doing when the when the when the guys won and they gunged the kids because I was like, imagine you were right. That's so just you, a big metaphor so, so for non-CBBC presenter. So, so isn't I'm it? just saying that you're a, you're a parent of a child. Right. Oh, yeah. so, so so you come over to oh, half I've applied to be on a TV show. Like, oh that's good. for well, like, like neighbours or like hey Arthur, I don't know. Well you're voice like, and yes, I don't know. I think you're a shit parents. So I've decided to gunge you on national yeah. television. <laughs> right,
0: right, you little prick. I know. But as a kid you used to watch it, it's like, I want to gunge my dad because he makes me eat broccoli. <laughs> and now as a parent, I'm like, Eat your fucking broccoli.
1: <laughs> <laughs> gunge that beetle.
0: <laughs> I, I love I love the I love the kill and stuff though, because you're right, it's got the comedy, it's got the bonding, it's got kind of uh, it's cool as well as a
1: space prison it's cool
0: and you need a moment as well to make quill not look like a complete you because you know like villain because what anti-hero or crook you you know you have to show that he has you know a conscience and does the right thing because up until now you you're right you've seen him kind of having relations with someone who can't remember the name of you've got you know the scenes where he's like he's crossing the person that you, you know and he's stealing things or whatever and and yeah, so this moment he does save Gomorrah. They do kind of hatch a plan. And what we also get in this bit as well is the introduction of Drax, played by Dave Batista, who wants in on a slice of the revenge pie. The the lineup are united by the money. So basically Gamora says, I've got a liar bind up for the orb. If you if you if we break out together and bring it with you, we'll split the profits. D- Drax then jumps in on that, learning of Gamora's relationship. Or getting close to Ronan, and it all becomes this like tie together story. Mm. Yes, which I love all <clears> that <throat> kind of stuff. And David Batista is just gold in this film. It'll go
1: over your head. I would simply jump over it. He's it's just so, so
0: funny. He is so funny. funny. The plot thickens. Uh, no, sorry, hiding since you. When uh, Yondu catches up with the Guardians, the orb falls in Roland's hands. He betrays Thanos, as James has already said, and the group put aside their differences.
1: Angry to stop the maniac before he begins destroying worlds. Here's the most Star Wars ending as well. So you've got like the, the Terrans, which is an alien planet where everyone kind of looks human. What I like about this is different as well. So uh, Ronan's put the stone in his hammer, and his hammer was pretty powerful anyway. It snaps people's necks when you know he wants them to. So he's pretty OP anyway. But now mm. put a stone in it. All he has to do is touch his hammer on the surface of Xandar and he will basically explode. I noticed that everyone on his ship is perfectly right with that. They're like, oh yeah, we'll die. That's fine. You'll be fine because mm. you've got the stone. But the rest of us, yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> so all he has to do is put basically it on the planet. <clears throat> and the weapon is basically a giant net. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that's different. They don't mm. try to shoot it down because that's what he wants. So I like the fact that the good guys create a net.
0: I also like what's really obvious in this. I knew the ending and I knew that I knew that Peter at some point holds the Infinity Stone and I couldn't... and. It, the film goes out its way to show you what happens when a human or someone without powers touches a stone. They they not only do they blow up, but everything blows up. Yeah. And um I was like, how did they get around that at the end? Please don't tell me it's like it, you know, he's saved because he's good hearted or something like that. And then in like the last third they of the movie, they just started dropping these hints about like, oh, remember he has got a dad. there's a dad <laughs> that we haven't heard about. Yeah, he's got a dad, yeah. And <laughs> um because there's there's two obviously there's the bit where Michael Rucker's character at the end of the movie one of the one of the scavengers says to Rook, says to Yondu, "Why did um, you take him?" Um. Yeah, we were going to take him. His dad still wants him, or something. So you've got this idea that his dad yeah. is intergalactic because obviously his mum isn't. She's born of Earth, as was he. And then at the very end of the movie, they they kind of for no reason are like, "Oh yeah, remember when you was imprisoned? We did a scan of your body, and you're not 100 percent human. You've actually got an ancient life form that we don't know or have never seen about." Oh, cliffhanger second movie. But. The film itself has so many good set pieces, so much comedy, a lot of heart, loads of heart, kick-ass soundtrack. It's visually stunning.
1: It still is visually stunning. Yeah, well.
0: I will be watching this week. And there were certain scenes where I was like, that is just beautiful. Like how it all, particularly the the prison fight scene. And then when they're kind of getting out of that, the group moment as well, where he kind of protects the family Yeah, is incredible scene, you know, in, in Heart Woman. and also Groot is deadly as fuck like there's a scene where he like like, impales like seven of these people and he's just like beating the crap out of them Um, i think bradley cooper is rocket as well is that character that is like really really i'm glad that the other movies and certainly what i've heard about the third movie explore rockets kind of origin and background a lot more because you can see he's jaded he's scarred he's you know he's not only is he physically scarred but anytime anyone mentions him being a like a rodent or someone says a raccoon at one point he's like I don't even know what that is and he's so bitter and angry and, and, and I think Bradley Cooper really brings that to life Rocket wasn't going to be in the movie
1: that's that's shocking you, I don't think
0: you can do these films without Rocket. Originally, they thought they they thought he was going to come across as too cartoonish as one of the characters. I can uh, see characters.
1: that. I can see that, but it, it's grounded in such a reality, and, and Rocket is the one. And it's going to sound really stupid. Rocket was the best one to keep, and I, I, we're breaking away from Guardians of the Galaxy. When the snap happens, you needed to keep Rocket because he was the only one that kind of would have worked. Mm. Like he's the only one that would have worked searching for the others. Yeah. And, and his character it's phenomenal to think that that was an idea they weren't going to go with because that would not have worked you need the talking raccoon it's integral to the storyline <laughs> yeah. and I like that a lot of it as well with like they all put the hand in the middle
0: and they're like we're going to do this we're going to do it together and then he's like well I've got a short life span anyway <laughs> and he's really funny and and, you know, I didn't even have time to talk about the fact that Gamora, I think, is brilliant and grounded and anchored throughout the whole movie. Karen Gillen is one oh, of my favourite actors.
1: I'm going, to, I'm going to tell now, Nebula has the best character arc in the entire MCU. Mm. She is. Nebula starts off here as, like, quite 2D villainous. She doesn't like her sister. In the second one, you get more of that storyline. Again, and you need to break it. She is the standout character. Nebula starts off as, oh, Nebula's a bit of a dick, Two. A star yeah, A and, fucking and you, and you think as
0: well Like again It's it's not origi- It's not overly original In movies where Someone Is the way that they are Because they're parents But when your Parent is a titan You know A, a, a planet destroyer And You know Has uh, You know In front of you Favors the other daughter And There's a scene as well Where Nebula's like I can't remember I think it's in uh, Infinity War Where she's like Deconstructed And held yeah, Broken apart And yeah. you think what did that? a deep no. character like that is That she brings to life And I, I'm amazed that she wasn't Or that character As with Quill Weren't hated You know Because obviously in Infinity War They nearly get the glove off um, Thanos And then until he mentions about Gamora dying And then Quill You know basically like Pimp slaps him And wakes him, wakes up. him up And I'm amazed that there wasn't like A, a massive campaign of angry fans there afterwards There was They're They're awesome, Like yeah. oh Quill's an arsehole You know
1: Yeah but I, I love these characters. Um, I'm with you. I think Karen Gillan's like the next big thing. I think she's so good and she's consistent even in Jumanji. Mate, let's be honest, even no right Jumanji. being as good as she is. And to be fair, no right that film has no right being <laughs>
0: as good as what it was. It was so much fun. But yeah, I mean, I talked about. There's a movie she did called Jewel, which is brilliant. That a you know, little indie movie with Aaron Paul. Um, you know everything I see her in, I think she's fantastic. Um, Joel Edgerton, Eddie Redmayne, Jace uh, Jensen, Ackles, Lee Pace, Wes Bentley, Jack Houston. Um, who else? We've got James Marsden, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Aaron Paul, John Krasinski, all
1: screen-tested for Quill. What a word. Do you know, do you know why none of them were worded? It's because of the TV series Parks and Recreation, which obviously famously is what got Chris, part, Chris Pratt the part in this because he was writing his own comedy. That sort of bounceability off other actors works for... Because mm. yeah, I'm I imagine... Living. because. What's weird whilst he's the main focus, he's never the driver of the storyline. Mm. he He's, its you know, Gamora wants, you know, she steals it from him. She's got the, the it's his ship. He We listen, <clears throat> weirdly, he's the straight man. He's the one that likes the earth music, so we follow it through him. It wouldn't work because you needed someone, you needed a comedy actor who basically beefed up, and that's what he did for this, but he got fucking shredded, mate. And apparently he didn't have to. He lost the 60 pounds of fat, uh, and he,
0: it, that wasn't in the contract. It wasn't like you have to look like it. There's a famous story as well about, Zachary Levy who was in the four movies he was one of four's you know like henchmen yeah. later with Shazam this was the film he really went for apparently and I don't know how true this is I've not heard Zachary Levy say it directly but in interviews or, or transcripts I think he's gone on to say like he felt he was born to play Star-Lord like that was his favourite comic book character he auditioned for it didn't get it I think he went down a very dark path and saw Shazam as like his saviour and you can see a lot of Shazam not Kurt Warner in the film <laughs> So, no, no. no. <laughs> you can see a lot of Shazam, you know, as that like, um, and I, I mean this, you know, respectfully, but that like man, baby, kind of character, yeah, that both these have, you know, so well. Um, but was- I, you couldn't imagine it, could you? You couldn't imagine the likes of John, uh, John Krasinski,
1: or, no. or Aaron Paul. You know, I think, I think Aaron Paul is because he was a getting a big name at the time. But there is one, there is one person, mate. We say every week, a mind on Star Lord justice. Nathan Fillion <laughs> Nathan Fillion probably would because you want a Sky Pirate it's <laughs> Nathan definitely Fillion. Nathan Fillion <laughs>
0: Lee Pace originally auditioned for for Quill as I said but he got Casas Ronan before cast as Yondu Michael Rooker was interested to play Rocket Um and there was a large fan petition at the time to make it happen Olivia Wilde was uh, asked but turned down the role of Gamora Should Jason that, no, I
1: imagine.
0: Yeah, Jason Momoa was considered for the role of Drax the Destroyer Adam Sandler David Tennant
1: oh Fuck off with the first one. Sheldon Copley,
0: good. Jim Carrey were all amongst the actors considered to, to voice uh, Rocket, but it went to Bradley Cooper, which is weird that it's Bradley Cooper, it but it is awesome weird. at the same time. Do
1: you um, know what the best thing about doing a voice is? You can still be in
0: the MCU. What? Hello, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Gunn does the motion captured for Rocket the Raccoon, and, but he also uh, portrays the character Craiglin.
1: love Craiglin. Yeah. Funny, well, he's, he's very funny, kinda, and
0: kind of has that. Um, it's how
1: you know you're in a James Gunn movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because his brother's his brother's in it. Um,
0: but it kind of has that, like, he uh, kind of has that, like, southern, southern drawl in it. It that does is, in his portrayal. That's what I was
1: missing from when he played the Weasel in the it's quite exactly. a Suicide Squad.
0: Exactly. This is Steven Spielberg's favorite superhero movie.
1: Oh, fucking, that's classic. Oh, this. I mean, if you, yeah, if you want, ah. if
0: you want Spielberg, arguably one of the biggest directors of all time, who is also arguably one of the best sci-fi directors of all time. And action adventure family sci-fi movies, and he says this is his favorite. I mean, that what praise is that? Glenn Close was ecstatic to play Nova
1: Prime. Oh, she's um, great. The, the, the bit she's her standout performances when she's trying to talk. So Ronan's gone rogue. They've done a they've done a peace treaty with the crew, but he doesn't like the peace treaty because he says there's too many concessions. Fucking hell, he's like looking at a mirror, isn't it? Um, and then she's like on the phone to the prime minister. He's like, well, "There's nothing I can do about it." She's like prick <laughs> she delivers the line prick so brilliantly that only Glenn Close could do yeah and she said that she
0: based it on M from James Bond oh cracking uh, when she did it, and she was eager to return for any follow up performances was needed Karen Gillian has a great story of playing Nebula where she shaved her head uh, and she used the hair to make a wig that was then used in one of the Star Wars movies and then she got cast in a TV show called Selfie where she needed the wig back <laughs> So, Excuse me Darth Vader I <laughs> could I have my wig back please? I would watch the shit out of a, a red-headed Darth Vader um, Best thing as well about Karen Gillan's performance And I do think if I ever met her I would say It's really weird that you're Scottish But you played a robot alien with an American accent <laughs> You could have done anything with that accent And you went American I mean you yeah, could have kept Scottish point. It doesn't matter does it? I don't think I've
1: ever actually heard a Scottish accent
0: I oh, think she puts in once on Doctor Who There you go It's glorious is what it is James Um I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to stop there. We've got another film to talk about and then you're going to tell us about the third one and we're already 45 minutes in. So for just, me, Guardians gets a big fat
1: thumbs up. I remember coming out of the cinema, Guardians of the Galaxy was, was it. It was everything I wanted. It was perfect. I think I said it all at the beginning. There's not much to say. It was a tour de force, a great viewing experience. And we've you've talked about a lot of a lot of things, but can I just say that I'm not a big, I'm not a big music guy. But when the soundtrack has come a little bit closer, bring it on home to me, Lakeshore Drive, The Chain, Surrender, My Sweet Lord, Mr. Blue Sky, and Fox on the Run. And finished off at the end, was Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Mm. Maybe one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. So we had a, an episode a few weeks ago where we were talking about it. And we talked about and Gassi. Like that, the second one, mate. Talk about cheddar Fox on the Run is still
0: a, uh, it's still a classic.
1: Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I've already said this, Volume is a great way to distinguish this from the other Marvel films. Uh, Directed and written by James Gunn, added to the cast, so I won't go through them. We've got the character of Mantis, played by Pom Clementif. We'll go with that. Um, Ego is played by Kurt Russell. Um, We've got Elizabeth Dubecky as Aisha, the Golden High Priestess of the Sovereign, and one of my favourite cameo performances ever, and great casting, Sylvester Stallone as the head pirate. Mm, I mate. I mean, his 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 crew. I mean, yeah. They're all. Oh yeah, and obviously at the end you get ving rooms, mate. Yeah. Great. Get your bingo card out. If you had ving rooms in a Marvel film, you get <laughs> fucking bingo. He Also, actually,
0: we just come on this big rant about like Ronan being the the villain of the movie.
1: <laughs> You've got Kurt fucking Russell. <laughs> Talking about fucking jump. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, I think they saw this and were just like, well, there's a great story as well when they're having discussions about which actor could be cool enough to play Quill's father. And it's, it always goes back to the Harrison Ford who could play Indiana Jones' father. It's like James Bond is the only person. Get Kurt fucking Russell. Kurt Russell to do it. Um, oh, and this is weird as well. Something to point out that when you watch the MCU... Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is the film that comes straight after Guardians of the Galaxy. So you are supposed to watch them one after the other, which is always nice. I like that. Similar to um,
0: Iron Man. And, and if anyone at the beginning, I'm going to say it now in case I forget. We said at the trilogies at the beginning, and we used Iron Man. We said about four. We used said Captain America. Of course, there's also Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man is the one this is going up against. I think those three Spider-Man movies with, um, with Tom Holland are brilliant. They are, they are brilliant. They are peak, and, and so uh, I suppose it's Guardians' got, got risk that for me in terms of the, the the
1: the Trinity in the MCU at the moment. Let's see what we, we'll have this discussion in our spoilers part of the episode, right? So months after the Guardians of the Galaxy joined forces, they incur the wrath of the Sovereign race after Rocket steals some batteries that they meant to bring back to them. The Sovereigns send out drones to kill the Guardians, but they are saved by Ego, the living planet, father of Star-Lord. With Assistant Mantis, Ego brings Peter Gamora and Drax to his planet, where Rocket and Groot might also keep an eye on Nebula, who has been captured by the Guardians. So, something in this one very quickly, mate. Drax. No, no, sorry, Drax. Groot is dead. Groot kills himself to, to, to save them. At the end of the first one, we didn't really mention that. He, he, he shrouds him. he says, we are Groot. He dies. A little sapling forms, mate. A little sapling. Baby Groot in, in, mm. in Volume 2. I prefer my Group baby. This, mate, this steals the fucking show. And I don't understand how Vin Diesel... <laughs> I know he says, I am Groot, and they change his voice. He doesn't deserve the credit for this, mate. This is all the animators. <laughs> I'm saying Baby Groot now is phenomenal and lovely. So how do we start this? To start this film is, for no reason, Rocket has designed a music player so they can listen to music while they're fighting. Three interdimensional beasts that have come to steal the Sovereign's uh, uh, batteries. You are following group baby group round as he's dancing, and in the background are the Guardians of the Galaxy fighting this three dimensional uh, this dimensional beast. Can I just say it is the best opening of a film. It, it is, is the, the best. best. Yeah, it's, it's the, not phenomenal. easy it uh, electric light orchestra playing Mr. It's, Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, it's the
0: it's the funniest opening, the best opening to a Marvel movie. Maybe one of the best openings
1: to a movie. I laughed. So
0: hard watching this at the cinema. There's
1: callbacks to like the post-credit scenes of the first one, where Drax looks at the sapling when it's dancing and it stops. Mm. Fucking, it's in this one. Baby group being watched by Drax isn't moving. It isn't dancing. It stopped, and when he thinks he's not, he carries on. Fucking brilliant. He has a fight with a little rat thing, whilst in the background there is a massive battle happening. It's yeah. fucking awesome. And also, I think James Gunn did the dance. Oh, that's cool. I
0: think that's James Gunn dancing with a motion capture suit on. And uh, obviously, now we've got Peacemakers opening scene, which is oh, maybe the best opening. F- fucking forgot sequence, about that. Maybe that is the best know. one, actually. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's I completely forgot about that, actually. But uh, yeah, it's also worth mentioning if you haven't seen them as well, there are the Baby Group shorts. Watch them.
1: Watch them this week. So they They're take so place good. obviously
0: between one and two.
1: They're so good. Yeah. They are sovereign we watched them on Disney Plus yesterday night, literally yesterday, the one where he has a bath. Mm. And then he he like grows hair from like feathers he dresses up as like an Elizabethan woman and grows a beard. Like yeah. hey, they're fucking hilarious. Five minutes, you cannot go wrong. Kids stick in front of a kid, they'll be mesmerised. Um the sovereign's high priestess Aisha hires Yondu and his ravagers to capture the Guardians, but instead a ravager named Taserface leads a mutiny against Yondu after he chooses not to turn Peter in. And I like that because Yondu we know has a relationship with Peter. The, the, the argument is that he always gets away. With it. Peter always gets away. With it. Why does he get away with it? Why is he favourite? Why is he always getting away with it? So, you know, we had a job to capture him. But Yonder brings up a great point. He says, I don't want to be responsible for capturing the Guardians of the They saved the universe. If we do that, he's already outcast by guitar and things like that, because mm. he, he broke the Ravager code. He dealt in children, which sounds really bad. He, basically, the Ravagers have a code. It's like you don't... Traffic children, and he broke that code, so he's actually shunned by his own people. He's he's the outlaws outlaw. Yondu is a bad egg. I I do like that as well in the in the first movie when
0: he's when Yondu's thing that he keeps having that he keeps on Quill is he's like I stop these people from eating you, and then at the end of the movie he's like stop using that as if it's a fucking normal thing to
1: do. <laughs> they always wanted to taste terror. <laughs> um. Uh Sorry, they capture him with Rocket and Groot, but they escape with the help of Yondu's buddy, Kraglin. Um, I'm going through this very quickly. We'll talk about the best parts because, mate. Um, Peter learns from Ego that he possesses the power of a celestial, which is the same as Ego. However, Ego wants Peter to help use his powers to extend Ego's power and form to other planets. Basically, procreation is on a planet level. So whilst Kurt Russell is a being... He's actually only an extension of ego, which is a planet. So his actual planet, the celestial being of planet, that's what he controls. Mantis is this um empath who basically helps him sleep. So he can help control his emotions, sometimes tells him to go to sleep. Um when he complete when he when he when they turn to each other, basically, ego wanted to procreate. So he's gone to every he's gone to many planets in the solar system, taken many forms, and basically. Sprinkled his seed, let's say he's impregnated a lot of women, mate. It's Kurt Russell. He gets around. It's Russell. If Kurt Russell knocked on your door, mate, someone's going to get bred. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and also there, he's also put physical manifestations of himself. So not only is he having actual uh, children with different sexes, uh, different races, uh, alien races, he's also planting his his actual his actual planet in okay. <laughs> planets—it's it's really hard to explain. It's a complex one. <laughs> it? He's not only using pregnant women; he's impregnating planets. <laughs> that's that's how fucking fertile Kyrans is. <laughs> you, want, you want me to fuck that? mean? I'll no, fuck it. Uh, basically, by joining with. Peter, he'll finally find someone who can generate enough power to basically spread. And Ego will no longer be one planet. He'll be several planets. He'll be able to procreate on a planet level, which is actually very impressive. And Peter has finally found acceptance. He's found a father figure. They've even played catch. There's that really awesome bit. You know, it comes... I'm going to save it for my best bits at the end. So Peter's all lured in by the ability that he belongs somewhere now. Ego's heard about Peter. He said, you held an Infinity Stone on your own. You must have been my child. I've sought you out. I've saved you from the Sovereigns. I need this. So he belongs. However, he lets it slip that when he gives him a grand plan, there's this really cool bit where he says, he says, uh, I want it to spread. But he'd given Peter the impression that his relationship with Peter's mother was something very special. So he questions it and he says, it was special. It's the first time I ever experienced love. And I knew that if I went back a fourth time, I'd never leave that planet because I loved your wife, I loved your mum that much. Then he very, very coldly dumps in the fact, and that's why I put the tumour in her brain. So Ego killed Peter's mother because he loved her so much he didn't want to go back to the planet. He would have no purpose. And, there's his, and then what's really funny is watching the second one, I realise now, why you can't really be angry at Peter, Quill as the character because he instinctively shoots Ego as soon as he hears that he shoots him and he tries to kill him exactly what happened with Thanos as soon as he thought as soon as he heard that Gamora was dead he, that's what he is he's a reactionary it actually is on point yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was like fuck me layers mate get some layers in there Chris Pratt consistent <laughs> yeah, he is consistent um, the Guardians all come together to fight Ego and the Sovereign fleet that has also found the risk comes out of nowhere, which is nice <laughs> after the Sovereigns are defeated Rocket and group use a bomb to plant on Ego's brain which is also the planet's core, because remember, he's a planet. I love all that scene. Uh, Ego dies and Peter loses his celestial powers, which doesn't come up, but you just kind of assume that he has after he turns into a giant Pac-Man. Watch it, you'll know what I mean. Um, Ego dies and Peter loses his celestial powers. Yondu saves Peter's life, but sacrifices himself so that can, so Peter can live. Yondu is honoured with a Ravenger funeral, but before that he was told that they would never attend. So, but in the end, because of what they did, come to pay his respects. Nebula forms a truce with Gamora and sets off to kill Thanos while Mantis decides to stay with the Guardians and the post-credit scenes featured including Yondu's Ravenger buddy Skatar forming his own team while Aisha plans to unleash Adam Warlock on the Guardians as revenge. Now, can, can I just... Call
0: him Adam.
1: Um, so I just ran through that and I, I apologise but that's because I want to talk about what is the best Marvel film *Guys of the Galaxy 2. I genuinely think it's up there. I would put it up there. My problem when you talk about Endgame and things like that is you to really watch that film, you have to watch 20 films. As a film on its own, a standalone film, it's, it's, gar- it's, it's, it's very hard to follow. Not saying it's garbage, but as a standalone film, it doesn't work. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a self-contained adventure, which shows you a lot. I genuinely think it's top tier. I'm putting it as, if not the best, in the top three. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is better than the first one. I love the first one. It would be in the top five. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, mate, is phenomenal for three reasons. The opening credits. Amen. When Groot tries to bring Yondu his fin in the funniest three minutes oh, you'll yeah. ever fucking see in a film. So they're tied up with him and Rocket, but, and because it's brilliant, because <sighs> baby Groot is so cute, they make him part of the crew and try to get him drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks past them and they say, oh, would you go get me my fin so I can break out? So he comes back, he's got some underpants. He's like, no, that's not what I said. And then they have the conversation about a hat. He doesn't like people in hats because he thinks that's the shape of his head. No, it's a hat. And all this baby thing is saying, is, I am Groot. And it's Rocket translating for him. Brings a desk. Brings something else. Brings a fucking human toe. And then the greatest thing he goes, please tell me you've got a refrigerator full of these somewhere. And Yondu goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking knows. It's three minutes of pure joy. And then following that, the best action scene I'd seen in a, in a, in a uh, comic book film is when Yondu, Rocket and Groot escape. Yondu's got a an arrow that he can control by whistling and he controls it by a fin on his head. It's so imaginative and so different. It's a psychopath going around a ship, whistling, walking very calmly as you see hundreds of people fall off balconies in the foreground, in the background. You see characters that you've seen before. And there's something that we don't talk about the second one. The second one's actually a brutal film. There's a horrible scene where they've mutinied and Taserface, who gets the piss taken out of him because he's Taserface, and I think this is maybe why the film gets away with it because sandwiched between two comedy elements, there's this really horrific part where they're taking crew that were loyal to Yondu and stick him in an airlock and you see them die. It's actually quite horrific and horrible. It's heartbreaking. But then it's followed by a scene of Gru getting drunk. (laughs) So for those three reasons and the fact that, and I'm not even mentioned, sorry, and these are my backup points, the relationship that's explored between Gamora and... Chris Pratt's character, uh, Peter Quill. They even reference the will-they-won't-they they of the 80s and Cheers. It's like it's a Sam and... I, I never watched it, so I can't remember who it is. It's a will-they-won't-they they thing. Nothing's resolved. They, they end the film going, it's a kind of unspoken thing. Drax is probably at his element here because Mantis is the perfect prey for him. Their relationship, and it's not ro- romantic at all. It's like, you make me physically sick, and then he pretends to vomit. I'm pretending to vomit to show you how ill you make me. Ego is a phenomenal villain compared to fucking Ronan. He's one of the best ways on fucking planet. Some of the humor doesn't always work for me. One time. I don't like, I don't like David Hasselhoff. I think he's a cuck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I don't like it when he cameos, but I do kind of understand it. It's reference. The storyline's better. The music's upgraded. The acting's spot on. You've got Rocket explored now. Like, why did he steal the batteries in the first place? It's because he doesn't feel like he belongs. That's not paid off, but gets paid off in the third film. You've got greatness. And I'm going to say now, Yondu's death was deserved, well played, and phenomenally acted. Fucking mate, we want to talk, number four best point, you look like Mary Poppins. Who oh, is yeah. he? Is he cool? Yeah, he's cool. Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> mate. And then the number one thing, which genuinely made me nearly tear up when I, he- when I heard it, when he says, I'm going to, when Quill finds out, when Quinn, Quinn, Quinn finds out he's got his powers at the beginning, he so I'm going to make some weird shit. It's really cool, but he can't, he explains to Yondu, and Yondu says, I don't control the arrow with my head. It comes from my heart. And it's fucking phenomenal. And when he says that line, you know he's dead. It's like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> and then when Quinn, Quill, sorry, Buck, Quinn at the end goes through different things about his relationships with people. You know, he's about to die and you have to have that flashback. There's a scene where Yondu, young Yondu, is trying to show him how to shoot a gun. He's laughing with Drax in a scene that looked hilarious, but you only see it for like two seconds. You want to, see, oh, I wonder what happened there. It's phenomenal. I genuinely think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a film to get passionate about. It's a film that'll get you in the cinema. It's a film that'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you feel things. It does have that weird
0: Yondu line in it, does it? Where he's like, I might not be your father, but I'm your
1: daddy. I do love that. I
0: love that. <laughs> uh, would, would, if anyone ever whispers that to me from behind, and we were like, No!
1: Not like this. The gypsy was right. <laughs> this is how I die. Uh, I, I genuinely, re-watching it, watched it in the cinema, blown away. Rewatched it countless times, it's my go-to one. I love it. I like watching the first one for it. I don't get me wrong, I'm not one of these people that says you can like either or other. Fuck it, this one's for me though, top tier.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's criminally under-looked uh, when the inevitable conversation of sequels that surpass the original yeah. comes onto the table and everyone goes straight to the classics, the Godfathers, the Terminators, you know, Aliens, depending on if you like action over, over, over horror. I love that argument there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, Guardians
1: should be right up there with uh, case in point is is I love it. And as, it doesn't take any away from the first one. I think the additions as well, the characters, are better. Just, uh, the post-credit scenes in the first one were used as kind of like a joke. It's like, it's the first, everyone was expecting, you know, Nick Fury or Iron Man to appear. It's Donald, it's, it's uh, not Daffy Duck, Donald the Duck.
0: Howard the Duck, yeah. Howard
1: the Duck, sorry. In this one, it's fucking Ving Reams, Michelle Yao, a talking head, a, a, an octopus made out of glass. And uh, Sylvester Sloan just says, "You know, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing that we've all. Zion death is the made the thing that made us, you know, get together." And he's just like, "Let's steal some shit." Mm. <laughs> Fucking yes, I want to see that film. Everything about this film makes me want to see what happens next. It's it's a travesty that you have to wait so long for the third one.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously things happen, which like later. Avengers but and. <laughs> but but I do, I do, yeah, I do stand by. I think it's great. I think I mean, think he does the the impossible as well. Of giving enough screen time to every character the Drax obviously Nebula Gamora all the all the characters that you I suppose are secondary to Kurt fucking Russell who's in the movie um yeah it's full of comedy it's it really I, I interestingly I I actually enjoyed the movie more watching it at home than I did at the cinema I thoroughly enjoyed it at the cinema mm. and I, I remember leaving it being like I really really enjoyed that um but I thought the third act got really messy with like what they were doing and this whole like they're over here trying to do this and that's got to be synchronized to like this and this. We we're watching it at home, which I almost did I think it was like one of the first films I watched when I got Disney Plus. Um, I was like, this film's bang on. We we're watching it this week, which is
1: you know confirmed that they take risks as well. There's a there's an action scene where. Groot's about to run with the bomb and put it on the brain, and Rocket has to explain to him what what button not to press. He goes, "I am Groot, yes. I am Groot, yes. I am Groot. No, not that button." <laughs> but they also stop, and Quinn has to go find masking tape. So they stop the fight. Well, they don't stop the fight. The fight carries on, but you just hear. It, it, I really like the risk. it is we don't see the the massive action scene taking place. You see Rocket's Rocket talking to Iron Groot, while in the background you hear <laughs> you hear Quill asking people if they've got masking tape. It's fucking. It's just. I love that because it's different. Mm. It was different and it was fun to watch.
0: And what I really like as well is the, the obviously it does the hard work so that when these characters come into, for example, Endgame, um, it you, you know you 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 know these characters that he's done the hard work. So scenes where like Groot is on Earth and you know he sees Simon Groot to Steve Rogers and Rogers is like, I am Steve, Steve yeah. and, and it's like you know you are kind of like always oh, one of ours. Yeah. Do you know what I mean like with the moment he like steps up with Rocket and all the other characters you're like oh you know obviously these guys don't know who they are but we do and I, yeah I, it's just magic isn't it? the whole MCU so I suppose the burning question with the time we got left is the third movie does mm. it hit the home run the impossible the tr- the the trilogy is it worth it you know I I think Spider-Man's the closest one I think in, I think in the Spider-Man trilogy the first movie with Tom Holland Homecoming was brilliant the second one with Jake Gyllenhaal was had some really good elements to it. Great ending, bit sloppy in the middle, and obviously the third one. I mean, how could that not be a hit?
1: Again, though, you have to have watched the other films. Like if you would come in and you've not seen the other ones, it's not. It's a good film, but it's not as great as it's oh, someone who's line. a fan. Yeah, yeah. the
0: storyline, you know, do, doesn't work. And I would like to point out,
1: this the third one does suffer. You need to know what's happened with some of the characters post Endgame because obviously. Spoilers, Endgame. Uh, Gamora is sacrificed. She dies at the end of Infinity Wars. And mm. Endgame is time-travelling Gamora who comes forward. So, you know, he has got this to deal with. So, possible spoilers. If you don't want to hear anything about this film before you go see it, turn off now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry about next week. I'm really sorry. Um, but my idea was yours. For once, it was your idea. We're doing it Under the Siege <laughs> next week. Um, so, three, two, one... Guys, of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Great, I've said it three times now. It's great that you distinguished him. Um, new editions, Will Paltier as Adam Warlock. Love him. Um, I've, I, I even went on the internet now to Google how to say this guy's name, and I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher it. Um, Chuck Woody uh, Wally. Woody? Basically, he plays the high evolutionary. He's the villain for the film. Um, he's worked with James Gunn before. He played Morn uh, Moon on uh, Peacemaker. So he's the guy who has a firefly on him, but the good guy. So, you know, additions. Yeah. Oh, and also Nathan Fillion in the cameo roll. And he's brilliant in it. <laughs> well, Cause it's Nathan Fillion. He's Nathan Fillion. Settling into their new roles on nowhere, the team are attacked by Adam Warlock, who critically injures Rocket. The team are unable to save Rocket without the help of the person who created him, the High Evolutionary. The team must reunite with Gamora, now working for the Ravagers, break into a vault and save the day all before Rocket dies. That's one gonna sum up the storyline with. You know how I love the opening of these films? I talk about, oh, he's dancing, he's prattling around. The second one's got one of the best openings of all time. Mm. They're on Nowhere. Peter Quinn's drunk because he misses Gamora. Things aren't working out. You see Rocket, we follow Rocket as he walks through like the dusty landscape in this crowded area of Nowhere. And Creep by Radiohead place. Oh, cool. It's so different. It's polar opposite. It grabs you right in the kittens, mate. Mm. If you are watching, you know something's different. You know, what the hell is going on? three out of three phenomenal openings where does the storyline go from here it's the best film one of the best films I've ever seen it's so good Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is phenomenal I was in a packed cinema on a Saturday it was packed The, the, the cinema I go to isn't big but there was a lot of fans in there the problem is when you announce that this is going to be the last in a series of films is I had a lot of fanboys in there and they kept talking. Every time there was like a shot at a character, oh, he's dead, oh, she's dead, she's not coming back. They wouldn't shut up and it really spoiled the uh, experience for me. However, the film did not. The film carries on with everything you'd expect. Fast action, great talking. But some of the characters that step up, Nebula, phenomenal to the storyline. Gamora, we get a different Gamora now because obviously she's not the one that we've grown up with. Quill has to deal with this great relationship where the Gamora he loves isn't her. She's not that Gamora, and she has this identity crisis. But she's like, "I'm not her. Shut the fuck up. I'm not her." Mm. Um, Rocket's barely in it because Rocket spends the majority of the two of the first two acts critically injured. But his story is told through flashbacks, where you see Rocket and basically what he went through, and it also explains why he's been the way for the last two films. You see that he's got a friendship group, and something horrible happens to them. You see why he is the way he is, how he was forgotten about, uh, not forgotten about, how he was let down. Um, it's heartbreaking. And I cried. Uh, tears coming out of my eyes one bit. Uh, I think Peter have called it the best anti-animal testing film of all time. Rocky I'd now. go and say he's one of the best. F- I didn't. Right. So this phase of Marvel, I've not been a huge fan of. I thought was okay. I've, I I don't know what it is about Doctor Strange. It was okay. The thing's blown me away for a while in Marvel. And I've talked about superhero fatigue. This has reinvested it, mate. Because to me, they're not superheroes. They're, if they went in the Marvel Universe, I'd still be having fun with them.
2: Mm.
1: What a great film to watch. And the number one thing is, where do you go from Kurt Russell, the high evolutionary... And I don't want to say the actor's name again and say it wrong, because I, I apologise. He is the best villain I've seen in a while. He's so good. He's next level good. He's a cock. He's actually the other C-word that we don't say. He's that level. He's the biggest... They give him no humanity. And it's so good because, you know, at one point he gives a speech. He's like, I'm trying to perfect society. And Kurt basically says, I don't want to hear your fucking... He said, I don't want to hear another egomaniac talk about a story. Give me what I need. And he kind of interrupts him. The high evolutionary... And the actor does such a phenomenal job of being a (laughs) C-word. He's so good. You just want him to die a thousand times. Rock performance. Animated... Animated... um, and there's four different animals and different things have happened to them. I, I know you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it too much for you. It is it's a fantastic watch. It's, it's heartbreaking. I genuinely had tears in my eyes at one point. It's, it's horrible. Rocket's realisation. And the problem is, it is the end of a franchise. In a way that you know some of these actors have already said, Zoe, one of them, Dave Batista, definitely. They've said, I don't want to come back. Some of them, like Karen Gillan and, and Chris Pratt, I haven't heard anything about Chris Pratt, but spoilers, it does end with something that heavily implies that Chris Pratt will return. The Guardians of the Galaxy might not, but Chris Pratt might. Um, Because all of these films end with the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. This film ends with the legendary Star-Lord will return. So each character, it's not a happy ending... And this is what I really like about James Gunn's direction here. They all have different endings that make sense to them. Mm. Drax is still the funniest thing in this. I think Mantis is one of the most underrated secondary characters in the MCU. She's hilarious. I know a lot of people didn't like her in Volume 2. I think Volume 3 and the Christmas special that she did for Disney+, Plus, oh, she, she's, she's I so funny. We didn't funny. talk
0: about the Christmas special in this, but I was going to bring it up, but yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I think she's fantastic. Karen Gillan steps from beyond the shadow, and basically is an A-lister. She's arguably the strongest character in this. Chris Pratt does a really good job of dealing with heartbreak and dealing with the world that he doesn't live in, yet still, remain, still maintain his cockiness. If you can have Nathan Fillion in the film, he, only for a short amount of time, use him perfectly, which he does, just like when he played that terrible in the Suicide Squad, you know, he's the guy who could detach his arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he made the most of his three minutes on screen. He does the fucking same with this. It's brilliant, it's memorable. They bring back actors from the first film. So there's the guy that he tried to sell... Um, he tried to sell the orb to who mm-hmm. then found out Ronan was involved he's in this one at a card game how are the ducks at a card game the secondary characters you know the telekinetic Russian dog that's in the second yeah, one yeah. has an argument with um, the guy who's now got the fin because he calls her a bad dog at one point it's a it's a recurring storyline it's funny it pays off the villain mate I, I love a villain a villain drives a storyline the high evolutionary was one of the best villains in a film I've seen in age. that actor acted the fucking balls out of the film and I love the, the idea. To, there's no humanity in this man. He's a cock. <laughs> He's just a dick. Great thing. And Groot, mate, I'm not going to spoil something for you, but I'm just going to say, Groot's even brilliant as well. And I'm not taking anything away from him. Vin Diesel really milked this fucking cow dry. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything in it, everything, everything's at its best. I genuinely, it's my favourite trilogy, especially out of the MCU. What I would class this as better than the second one and I still think the first one was years. So I think they're all top tier. I think Mar- uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes, mate, some of the best films you could watch, especially in the MCU. They are so good. Oh, I've got massive FOMO. I'm going to have to go watch it. I think I you will. I loved it. It's got in the way this weekend. Um It was phenomenal. It was great. It was a. It was an experience. And it was, I can't remember the last time I went to the cinema. I'm smiling. Tears. Laughter. And like I say, the ending won't sit right with some people, but it, it It's their natural conclusions. You might not like it, but it does follow a pattern. And I'm going to miss Dave Bautista as Drax, because I know he's one of the ones that said he can't stand being in makeup for like six hours a day. And you'll watch this and you see why he's so good and why I genuinely think he could be better than The Rock in the future. And, mate, I know you you well. I know you like your one-shot action scenes. There's a scene that's – they have a fight scene, and it's set to the song – no Fights Till Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, yeah. From uh, Beastie Boys. From Beastie Boys. it's probably better than Yondu's. Act. He's one of the best action scenes I've ever seen. There's the smart cuts, and obviously you follow Gru, who's a CGI animal. So you know there's smart edits in there. But he's, he's brutal, brilliant. He's, fun, he's one of the best action scenes you'll see. It's great. Now, we're, we're going
0: to record Under Siege after this. So we're going to debrief, have a cup of tea, come back, and we're going to do Under Siege, which will be out next week, so I... I promise. Yeah. By time we get together to do whatever we do after Under Siege, I will yeah. have seen this film.
1: And it will be coming. It will be a bit. It will be out then, so we could talk probably more spoilers. Yes, yeah, maybe so. do a
0: bit more. At least ten minutes, a bit more spoilers. So that'll be in two weeks' time. Um, massive thumbs up from James. The uh, whole
1: trilogy is just something to behold. So the first two, I'm gonna put in the vault. And then the third, and the third like one I've got in. my vote. And then obviously we'll have to wait for a few weeks. But 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 you just have to get through under siege first.
0: <laughs> the uh, the vault is the safe haven for the greatest movies of all time. The purpose of this podcast, in case the apocalypse does happen and we have to save film, we only put the best, the best, the very best, the very best of the very best in there. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy volumes one and two, and it's looking very likely free <laughs> is going in as a collection on the top shelf. So um, yeah, really look forward to seeing that next week under siege yeah we're gonna do under siege <laughs> and under siege 2 because you can't have everything you know? so it'll be
1: a short episode because I first sleep twice during under siege 2 and I do not want to watch it oh, it would be brilliant if it's 20 minutes long <laughs> it'd be brilliant
0: be two episodes yeah <laughs> under siege 1 and 2 in 20 minutes done <laughs> thank us later
1: <laughs> it'll, it'll be- what we'll do is we'll then spend the next hour just talking about other better episodes <laughs>
0: if if you do like this episode don't forget to like to leave us a review subscribe we get a new episode each and every week if you've seen Gardens of the Galaxy leave us a non-spoiler comment we'll share it Uh, do DM us let us know what you think and uh, if you haven't seen them for a while go back visit your friends uh, in Gardens of the Galaxy because they miss you and they are brilliant and they hold up and they're better the second time around and they're better now that as I reckon stick of that first one with all the things like the celestials, yeah, everything that you know that's coming that you know up, it's better yeah it, it, it's so worth a revisit. it's such a good movie uh yeah, brilliant. that is our show for this week. if I don't see you there, good afternoon, good evening, good night goodbye.